Welcome to the Expo North podcast. My name's Tim Wright. Thanks for joining us. You know, if someone was looking at my life objectively and predicting and say, well, he's probably never going to write a book, that, that was probably enough motivation for me to, to have a go at it. Nothing will humble you quite as quickly as the publishing industry. But whenever you get that first yes, you realise it only takes one yes to, to make all the difference in the world. Today we're speaking to Tom Welsh, who's a fantasy author and games writer. We wanted to speak to Tom about how he takes his creativity into the different genres that he works in, as this is something that more and more creatives are doing as they seek ways to exploit their creative talents. We spoke to Tom down the line, and this is what he had to say. Great. Well, terrific to speak to you, Tom. Appreciate you taking the time today to give us some of your insight and expertise. So, Tom, you're based in Glasgow, um, a bit like me, but uh, you sound to me a little bit more like the genuine article than than I am. (laughs) Yeah, so I I grew up in in Wishaw, which is a smaller town. Um, and and I live in the city centre now, so yeah. Okay, and and you are an established author who uh, writes uh, fantasy fiction, and you write for games, and you write about games as well. So, how what what took you into becoming a writer? What were your sort of um, inspirations, or did did you just fall into it by accident, or was it something that you absolutely had a passion to do? Um, I, I had a passion to do it. I maybe didn't have the um, the willingness to put in the work for quite a long time. Um, it's funny, I'm nearly 40 and I look at all these young author awards and think I should apply for that and then suddenly realise that I can't. <laughs> um, it's funny how we think of ourselves. Wait um, till you get talking. to my age, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's funny, um, when I was younger at school, I had lots of English teachers that gave me lots of encouragement because I would talk to them about wanting to write, you know, the creative writing project felt like magic to me whenever you were told by your teachers that you could write a story about anything. You know, I'd yeah. always double check, like, I, I can write about anything. They're like, yeah, yeah, so just write, write well. Um, so I did always think that I was going to be an author. Uh, but it took a, a certain amount of time for the, the realisation to, to hit me that if I didn't do it, it wasn't going to happen automatically. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I've said this to a few people. Now, you get to a point where you, you realise that something that you think is more likely to happen suddenly tips into like a 49% chance of it happening from a 51. It looks, you know, if someone was looking at my life objectively and predicting, they'd say, well, he's probably never going to write a book. (laughs) And um, that that was probably enough motivation for me to to have a go at it. I mean, I I wrote a first draft of of Anna and Dreaming, my first book, as a kind of Christmas gift for my wife as a, was just having a bit of fun. I think it was playing with the idea of being a writer, uh-huh. um, and I got it printed, kind of make believe, you know, sent away to a public uh, printer, sorry, and got this nice kind of bound version, and I oh, gave great. it. Yeah, so it was a bit of fun, you know. And on Christmas morning, I was like, "Look at this funny story that I wrote for you," and uh, I've got a very, very loving and very encouraging wife, and she says, "You know, you should take this wee story and and build on it and make it into a book." Uh-huh. Um, so that's what I ended up doing, um, but it was still a long journey from there, you know. You did quite a lot of short stories, though, didn't you? Did they come before the, the, the novel, or, or do you just kind of mix the two as you go? I think the novel came first, uh-huh. um, so I started working on that. But I, I, I think different people have different processes, you mm. know. 
And I think I can only figure out what I want to write a book about by by writing a book about it. Yeah, <laughs> so okay. I, I had to write through and write a novel to figure out what my novel was about. So um, so for a long time I was working on what is now the the Metics Fade trilogy. I think I wrote kind of books one and two together, became this massive long hundred thousand word mess that I then went back and and ruthlessly edited. At one point I decided I should stop messing around and and do this properly. And I think um that's when things kind of changed at that point when I was um, stumbling across my own shortcomings and, and editing <laughs> as, 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 um, as ruthlessly as I could with myself, I realized that I wanted other ways to kind of serve as a barometer of how much my writing was improving. So I, I started writing some short stories and sending them off. Um, nothing will uh, humble you quite as quickly as the publishing industry. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I, was um, I was talking to some young writers uh, earlier on in the week for the um, Scottish Book Trust, the live literature program, okay, um, which is kind of where they get authors to come in and, and hopefully encourage younger writers to, to stick with it. And I was telling them that writing's 99% rejection, you know. Yeah. Maybe for other people it's not, but for me, <laughs> and, and to be honest, for most of the writers I talk to um, in my kind of mentor or peer group, um, it's a lot of rejection. But whenever you get that first... Um, Yes, you realise it only takes one yes to, to make all the difference in the world. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think I started, as I worked in those short stories and, and got them better and took on board the feedback I got, I managed to get some in publication. And that fed back into the novel again. You know, um, there are different disciplines, short short mm. story writing mm. and, and, and novel writing. Um, short story has to be like a wee perfectly formed nugget, you know. Yeah. Yep. So it really sharpens your, your craft and your attention to detail. And I think that helped me make the, the book better too. Terrific. Now, you mentioned there a Metics Fade. Now, and so for the uninitiated, as I understand it, Metics Fade is a, is a trilogy of, of books of which um, Anna Undreaming is the first. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Spot on. And where are we on number two? Number two is out. So and number two is out. Yeah, so number two is Anna and the Moonlight Road, um, and that came out just at the start of the year there. Um, so yeah, so I was signed on by um, a publisher called Owl Hollow Press to to do the tr- trilogy, which was okay. a great kind of um, sign of uh, confidence in me, I suppose. Um, mm. they, they liked the first book and they were looking for a kind of grander fantasy trilogy. I think that was what they were trying to acquire as a, a publisher at the time. So I was really glad that they chose chose me i had i was lucky enough eventually um when i i really as i said earlier ruthlessly edited that first manuscript Mm -hmm. i was lucky enough to get a few offers of publication um and that was that was good for me as well because that taught me a lot about the publishing industry i was very wary as anyone should be and i did a lot of research about the different offers and the contracts that came in yeah Um, and yeah i joined a society of authors which is something that um, I encourage people to do if they can. Um, they'll give you kind of contract advice. It's great if you're not agented. Um, I was directly published, so there was a call for submissions, and I went straight to the publisher. Oh, okay. Um, in that case, you don't really have, unless you pay for a lawyer or someone, mm. um, someone to look over that contract, and it can be easy to be um, kind of ripped off. And, mm-hmm. uh, and um, yeah, a lot of a lot of sharks in the publishing industry. I think um, there are in most industries, I'm afraid. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so are Owl Hollow are they um, exclusively fantasy or particularly fantasy? 
and for you, why why fantasy? Why is that the genre that you you've written mainly in? Um, well, Elhol publishes all sorts of different things. I think mm -hmm. they they started specialising in speculative fiction at the beginning, but they've broadened out their scope and they've grown immensely as a publisher. It's been fun to get to know the other writers that work and, and form a wee community with them there as well. Um, great for someone who's kind of starting their career as a, um, a novelist. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, fantasy is just what came out. You know, I think you can't really write about something if you're not passionate about it. Mm -hmm. You can check the stunted progress of my PhD to see that that's the case. <laughs> I mean, I, I started a subject that I wasn't passionate about and quickly realized that you can't do that for, for years and years. But yeah. it did help me stumble across what I did want to do. Um, I, I don't think you can... Well, I, I guess you can probably force yourself to write in a genre that you don't love, but yeah. I wouldn't recommend it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and I suppose if you love it, it, it you... Uh, that comes through in the writing, I guess, and it, it's it's just part of uh, you know expresses itself as as you write rather than it being a little bit more um, mechanistic, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you you're probably immersed in that field. You know the the fiction that I love, the the stories, the the video games, the uh, movies and TV series that uh, I've gravitate towards the most they're about fantastical worlds you know yeah. escapism and again i think that's quite an important thing in the situation we're in just now um imagining worlds that are terrifying and dangerous um but also worlds that are hopeful and have all sorts of magic and uh opportunities for heroism in them i think that's what draws me to fantasy and certainly that's what a lot of people are um needing just now you know escaping into fantasy worlds can be I think it can be literally a lifesaver for people, you know. Yeah, a, a great read then for lockdown, and uh, <laughs> and I, 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 it's interesting. People have been uh, commenting how you know, there will be a sudden upsurge in po uh, popularity for people like Ballard and uh, uh, John Wyndham and these type of slightly dystopian <laughs> models yeah. in the next few months. Who knows? Maybe not. You know, it's one of those things. <laughs> that I, I was sitting down as looking at movies to watch a little while ago and um, I was kind of sitting thinking I, I want to watch The Road again you know the Cormac, Cormac McCarthy wasn't it the yeah author? yeah yeah um, and then you know I, I almost started watching it and I thought actually I don't think I can take this right now <laughs> I think I'll try Soylent that. Green that'll, that'll even <laughs> unsettle you all the more yeah but, absolutely but you mentioned there um, you know the 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 sort of uh, what might be considered slightly allied genres, you know, games and things like that. And part of the reason that we really wanted to speak to you is at the moment we're we're exploring this theme of creatives who take their uh, creativity and their trade and craft into areas that may not be the immediately obvious place for them so uh, in your case you're a writer but you have taken those skills and applied them in uh, in another field in that you write specifically for games and we're, we're interested in this idea of being able to take your creativity and broaden out its applicability and thereby generating more opportunities um, for you as a creative so I wonder if you can talk a little bit about you know what took you into that space and importantly what what the differences are what what you know how does it challenge you in a different way what are the things you need to balance up about that i think um whenever i was looking at 
uh, areas to move into. I was always interested in learning new skills. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an important part for me. Um, my wife really loves this quote from Mad Men that I'm probably going to mangle now. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's something along the lines of um, find something that you're good at and be the person to do it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I don't want to sound arrogant i'm not the best writer in the world by a long shot but what i would do is i would find it in a lot of the video games which i love and again i love video games computer games as i would call them normally because i'm a bit older um i I would love (laughs) games in the same way as i love um kind of fantasy worlds what i would find is that often the art the music the design the programming is absolutely amazing you know and, and can transfer you to a whole other reality and often the the thing that could hold them back would be in some cases, the quality of the writing. Now, that's not to say games have bad writing or bad storytelling. Many of them have amazing stories that you can only really do in an interactive medium. Mm-hmm. But I still felt like if there was a space for me to move into with my writing, it would be in games, both because I could do it. You know, I, I saw the space for it and there were opportunities there. So in a kind of pragmatic sense, there was an opportunity to make it more career-like and you know, get paid for it and do it well. But also because I was passionate about it anyway, it yep. wasn't a big big ask for me, a big leap. You know, if I was to go and write song lyrics or something like that, um, that would be more of a an ask because although I love music, I'm not musical, um, mm-hmm. whereas I've played games since I was five years old. So that's that's a lot of time to do that, you know. But it must, it, is, it, is it in a, in a different way? Because I, I know you, you, there's one game in particular that, that uh, uh, you've had a, an extended association with, which is Cloudpunk. And you, you were both lead writer and narrative designer. What, what are the, the differences between those, those roles? And if you're writing for a game, how does it differ from writing for just a novel, say? Um, well, the interactive part's the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard someone describe writers in games projects has been a bit like the bassist in the band okay um maybe not in the past but now very keen to point out that they did that bit you know and i find (laughs) this it's hard to explain to people so there's trailers that come out for cloud punk and uh you know people would ask me things like so so which bits did you do you know as not a lot of people understand the the position of a narrative designer or a, a lead writer so i would have to tell them things like well you know, in this trailer, I wrote the script for the trailer. So all the characters, the voice actors who are speaking, I wrote the lines for them. Um, and I wrote the, the trailer itself or like together with, you know, the, the lead designer. Yep. Um, and again, it depends quite a lot on the game. I'll try and be as general as I can. I think the the challenges for a narrative designer is that you're thinking not just what's interesting for someone to, to read mm-hmm. or to hear read back like a script, but also to embody to go into that world and play that role you know um and cloudpunk you're interacting with characters meeting people doing jobs but you're also driving around the city choosing where you go um so i guess the the lead writer part is the part where i you know think of the name of the city what what the background of the city is what its history is Uh what the names of the main characters are what they say um the narrative designer part is thinking about well, is there a choice here? What are the different things that happen? What does this character say if you choose to, you know, pick him up and take him somewhere as opposed to if you say, no, I'm not a taxi service and you, you leave him? Um, yeah. 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 Okay. And and 
is it a is it a more collaborative thing typically or, or do games tend to have soul soul writers or do you tend to work in teams it can depend on the game. Sorry if that's an answer that I... <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Twice in a row now. Um, yeah, so you take a big, kind of open-ended game. A good one would be uh, something like The Witcher. So there was a Netflix series of The um, the Witcher recently, but that's a, a big game series as well. Okay. So that game's a big role-playing game or RPG. That means that it's got all these different kind of side stories as well as a main story mm. often what you'd find is that different people write the side stories so you'd have a big team of writers each you know creating one side story with its own flavor and theme and you know a little bite-sized piece of, of fiction really yeah um, other games even quite big games might only have one writer because the story isn't as important as the the kind of visceral thrill of running about and shooting and stuff like that oh, okay i should say that cloudpunk's absolutely not that kind of game one of the things that me and marco talked about at the start was um creating this kind of immersive um beautiful dangerous creepy kind of wondrous future cyberpunk world that you explore as a normal person not as a guy with a gun you know killing everyone or you know not some hard-boiled detective fiction with sexy ladies on billboards appearing um we wanted to create a game that had this kind of diverse diversity in the characters and in the types of people that you meet and was yeah. about everyday life in a, a futuristic fantastical setting um so you're not a superhero you know you're just a regular person yeah do you do you think it's a little bit more like um uh screenwriting than the novel writing yeah i would say so yeah um it's funny i haven't done much screenwriting but you know, I think everyone has a little bit more time just now, so it's it's one of the other things that I'm I'm having a shot at. So I, I'm trying that, and I know nothing about it, so it's a lot of reading. Um, but I came across this interesting phrase that was directing from the page, which is something you're not oh, supposed okay. to do. So this is the idea in screenwriting that you're not writing where the camera goes, and you know, close up here, insert shot, fade in, blah blah blah. You're just creating a script that gives enough information for the director and the uh, dp and all of those people to go away and make your ideas become real but to inject their own creativity and ideas into it too yeah um the game's very much that uh, maybe a little bit back to front in comparison to a movie though what would happen for quite a lot of cloud punk is i would see this amazing world that um our development team had created that you could fly around but there wasn't those characters in it there wasn't those stories for you to um, explore. So instead of like in a in the case of writing a script for TV or film, the the script comes first and then it becomes a reality through filming and acting. It was a little bit the other way around with Cloudpunk, where the scene was set and we just needed those stories to to fill that world. Okay, so there's there's a slightly more sort of iterative approach there, and maybe it's a little bit like writing for a series, you know, a, a little bit. Uh, so that you have as you know a, a a you understand what the basic rules are who the basic characters are and you're doing an episodic piece for them yeah absolutely um or again to go back to a subject that i keep mentioning but know nothing about if it was um if it was music <laughs> it's a little bit like you know a jam session yeah maybe someone has an initial idea and they bring it to the studio and uh you know they play it for everybody and then someone says oh what if we try this and uh, maybe that original idea is actually not used at all 
but it changes and morphs and becomes something new. Um, that sounds like think, jazz. Yeah, well, you can't perform jazz in um, in the city of cloud punk in Nivalis without a license. Um, so this, I think that's one of the first lines of ambient dialogue. You know, does that know, tell Does that tell me something about your attitude to jazz? Yes, but I won't say what. Now you're 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 across all of these these types of creative spaces. You're a fellow of BAFTA, and uh, it's it, it's amazing that you've developed this kind of richness to to your writing because you write about games so you do the journalistic piece as well but if i i you know i i have an, a sense of how i would go about uh trying to get a book published and you know i'd produce a manuscript and i'd submit it to a publisher and all this kind of stuff if i wanted to write for games what's the kind of typical process of getting involved with that because i i don't really have any sense of of how one goes about doing it yeah, well, I, I should say just first of all, I don't do a tremendous num- amount of games journalism now. Okay. Um, not not through lack of interest. Well, maybe slightly through lack of interest, but mainly just because of busyness. You know, I'm, yep. I'm really busy now. Um, but I, I think that the route that I took to become the, the writer for Cloudpunk, um, I don't know if many other people would follow this, the same route, but I'll explain it anyway. Um, it was very much about networking, so um, in my case, I saw uh, a job for a writer for a game on on Twitter. So just a games journalist that I follow says, we know that this studio is looking for writers. Um, it wasn't Cloudpunk, it was another game. Um, so I sent off some writing samples to them. It was kind of an open call. Um, they were just interested in the quality of the work. Yeah, okay. Um, as opposed to your, your uh, experience, which was great because I had none. <laughs> um, okay. But they were looking for these little short stories. So I guess I had a bit of experience. In their case, it was like these little scene-setting short stories around the periphery of the game. Um, So I was lucky enough to get some work with that studio. And it was quite a small commission, though. Um, But I really loved it. I mean, as I said before, I've always loved games. So it led me to look just on the internet for other similar games. Okay. Um, So, you know, most... um, indie developers smaller developers I mean by that they need to do some publicity they need to build some buzz and they do it from as early a stage as possible if they're if they're very good at it you know you share little uh, kind of pieces of art that you've created little snippets of gameplay little gifts of just the, the gameplay and just to get people interested and I saw this game Cloudpunk yeah and uh, it had these beautiful gifts just really short you know six second looping animations of this city um and i thought this looks really cool so i just emailed the the lead developer marco and i says i've done some work in a similar game to, to yours i was wondering if you had a writer already so it was a real sort of brass neck thing yeah yeah um he he was very early in the development stage so he says he hadn't even thought about it but um he would be interested in seeing some of the samples of my work anyway. So I sent him some, some of the short stories, and he liked them. And that's that's just how it got started. So I guess, yeah. You're just going to have that a little bit of a push, haven't you, to, and have, as you say, a bit of brass neck to, to do it. It's interesting because uh, when you and I spoke the other day, I mentioned um, Star Citizen. I'm not a gamer. I don't. And claim to know very much about games at all uh, one of my areas of, of interest and work is in crowdfunding and and that's my kind of engagement with the games industry 
um, and I mentioned Star Citizen to you as you know as a classic case of a of a game that that has used crowdfunding very effectively. But when we talk about crowdfunding, one of the things we often talk about is there's a lot to be gained from the process over and above simply the funding. And sometimes it's about making connections and networks and these types of things. And given it's such a vibrant area in the crowdfunding space, maybe that would be a good pool to go and swim in. If you're a, an aspiring games author, go and check out the games that are being crowdfunded, reach out to them, to, you know, contact them uh, and, and offer services to them, maybe. I think so, yeah. I mean, the the social aspect is such a key element of it. So um, social media is such a big part for, for mm. almost every modern job, especially anything that involves technology. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't work with someone without having a look at their Twitter or their Facebook or whatever, yeah. um, just to get an idea of the kind of things that they're interested in and, and what they're like. You expose so much of yourself on there. Yeah. And that's why I say to, to young people in particular, just to be very careful about what you share. You know, yeah. sometimes yeah. the very strident views that you you have, um, maybe they they moderate over time. Maybe your opinions on things change. Maybe um, your view of the world becomes more kind of complex. That's not to say you shouldn't, you know, tweet about things that you care about um, and be passionate about things, whether they're kind of social or political or whatever. But you do need to think about how you're perceived by the rest of the world if that's what you're interested in yeah um so yeah so i mean there's certainly things that people could post online on on twitter or whatever that would make me more interested in working with them but also things that would make me less interested less in working interesting. With them too. absolutely yeah um yeah. do you do you get involved with any of the other creative aspects of the game so do you because i mean there's quite a few people um, you know, there's a lot of different creative trades in in games production. So I'm thinking, you know, um, graphic designers and these types of things. Do you, and obviously the musical side of things. Do you engage with them at all, or is is the writer does the writer tend to be, um, you know, in, uh, compartmentalized in the way that they they uh, are involved in the process? I think ideally the writer is absolutely not compartmentalized. If we go back to our jazz thing again, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ideally, you're all inspiring each other, you know. I think there is a, a kind of school of games design that the, the story is just like this thing that you layer on top, like butter on the toast or something like that. It's, it's very separated from the rest of the, the process. I, I mean, for me, working on Cloudpunk was fantastic because I would be involved in, like, maybe some of the writing of the PR material, mm-hmm. but then also things like um, like the voice acting and the casting of those voices Obviously, as as the writer, I've got the clearest idea in my head of what characters sound like and what they behave like. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a great thrill for any writer to hear talented voice actors read their lines out loud. Yeah. To be involved in the process of helping cast that was was great. So I was really grateful to um, Marco, the project lead. They That's asked fantastic. For my help with that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. And if you were giving advice to some aspiring writers generally, uh, but uh, also those that are trying to broaden out, uh, what what sort of thing would you suggest to them? Especially because uh, obviously it's the sort of thing that you do with your Scottish Books Trust. But what what, what would be the, the advice that you would typically give? Um, so, yeah, I've got like kind of a couple of key ones that I, I harp on about every time I'm asked to talk somewhere but I mm-hmm. think they're all quite important and, and quite practical you can put them into effect straight away um, the first one is like don't put aspiring in your Twitter bio on your Facebook page on your blog 
um, if you're if you're writing, there's no need to label yourself as an aspiring writer. I like um, that. Yeah, you, whether you're you're you know Stephen King or um, someone who's just starting out and they've written one short story, you've you've written something. You're a writer, so so kind of own that. There's no reason to label yourself as some kind of you know um, beginner. You've done yeah. some writing, and I think writing isn't just when you're sitting in front of the computer or sitting with a notepad and pen and putting words down. I think writing includes thinking about the story, you know, figuring out plot details when you're washing the dishes, going yeah. for a walk and realising, oh, maybe this character will die in this scene, you know. Um, <laughs> that whole process is all writing to me. It's all feeding into what you're going to create. So as long as you're writing stuff, and I have quite a broad definition of what writing is, I say just call yourself a writer. Um, yeah. A couple other tips, I think, are the, the main things that I say. Uh, you should be paid for your work if you're a writer. Mm-hmm. So you should avoid writing for free where possible. Yeah. And it can sound a bit mercenary, and I'm certainly not like a quite the opposite. I'm definitely not a died-in-the-wool capitalist. Um, <laughs> but but I would say that although the, the main thing for me about writing isn't money, it's about sharing the stories, um, we all deserve to be paid for our work, especially creatives who are absolutely treated terribly in, in our society when it comes to the work that we create. Mm. So many people want graphic designers to make them logos for free. They want musicians to play at their weddings for free. Just because you love what you do doesn't mean you shouldn't be paid for it. Quite the opposite, in fact. Yeah. Um, when you, you pay for a writer, if you pay me to, to write a story, you're not just paying for the, the work that I produce. You're paying for the hundreds or thousands of hours that I've put in to get where yeah. I am and, and develop yeah. my craft and that's that's absolutely the case for any creative people so if you do feel that need to just get your stories out into the world don't put them on someone else's blog that they where or someone else's website where they're being paid for advertising revenue but you're getting nothing yeah and, and that goes double when it comes to people that want you to pay money to have your work published and and there's so many of those businesses yeah. out there and they're absolutely mercenary they'll want you to pay money before they'll put your work out in some kind of vague promise of visibility or or return further down the line. The way that your publisher shows you that they have confidence in you is they pay you in advance, yeah. so or, or even a bonus. And that's not about the money. You know, the money's nice. It's probably yeah. not going to be a lot of money either, unless you, you send to a massive publisher. Um, but it is that money is representative of the fact that the publisher is, is saying we think you're a good bet we yeah. believe in your work yeah so those are those are a couple of the main tips i've got i think they're brilliant absolutely brilliant and and obviously you're scottish based uh, as i am and there's a big games industry up here uh, scotland has a tradition for terrific um, publishing do you think it's a good place to be a writer or in these digital days does it make any difference well, funnily enough, for, for Cloudpunk, it really doesn't. Um, and that's a great thing, you know, working with people around the world is uh, it expands your horizons. Um, mm-hmm. Strangely enough, though, there's a team of, I can't remember exactly how many of us are in Cloudpunk, kind of working at any one time. It's a small team, though. And up until a couple of months ago, I didn't realise another one of the team members was also Scottish-based. Um, <laughs> one of the team, team members is in Edinburgh. Um, one of the artists and she's an amazing artist but it was so strange just to realize that they were just kind of down the road um, yeah yeah on a on a uh, global sense yeah, at least. yeah 
Um, that being said, I think Scotland has so many great creative people. Um, yeah. I, I was inspired to write Metics Fade because I felt like I was the odd one out in my group of friends who are all these musicians, artists, programmers, designers. They're all these creative people. Um, and they inspired me to, to have a go at doing something myself. And I can't do any of those things. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, but I knew that I could write okay. So if there was something that I could make something with, some skill set that I had that was creative, all I had was writing. So this is what I had to do. So that creative crucible that Scotland really inspired you to get on and do it. Yeah, yeah. And as you were saying earlier, the, the game sector in Scotland is particularly vibrant. And it's a big part of games history and culture comes from um, Scottish developers. So yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Tom, I could speak to you all day, mate. It's absolutely <laughs> fascinating. But we, we do have to wrap this up, I think. So if, if people want to find out more about you and your work, where should they go to find out? Well, on, on most social media, I'm Cam Down Tom, so that's C-A-L-M-D-O-W-N-T-O-M, so Cam Down Tom. Um, if you want to just Google me, don't Google Thomas Welsh, because unfortunately there is a very famous basketball player. <laughs> who um, I wish him all the luck in the world. It's not that I wish that he breaks his leg or something like that. <laughs> you should say that. I'm only joking. He, he, no, no, no. He seems very nice. Um, I'm sure yeah, he so is. If you're Googling me, if you search Thomas Welsh author, you'll get me. If you search Thomas Welsh, you'll get me on page three after two pages of this amazingly talented uh, basketball player. All right, mate. That's absolutely fantastic. We'll bear those those caveats in mind when we're when we're Googling away. But uh, I really appreciate you taking the time this afternoon, Tom. It's been great to speak to you and very generous of you to share those those tips and your insights from your experience. So thanks and uh, look forward to catching up with you at a later date, mate. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So our thanks then to Tom for taking the time and telling us about his experience as a writer and how he's taken those skills into the game sector too. This podcast is one of a series of curated pieces which continues the debates on topics of interest throughout the year that we raise at the Expo North Conference. The conference and showcase take place over two vibrant days and nights in the Highland capital, the only festival of its kind in Scotland covering craft, fashion and textiles, writing and publishing, screen and broadcast, digital and technology and music. Expo North is a unique event in the UK's creative calendar and all the elements of Expo North are completely free. If you want to find out more, go to expo.north.co.uk. So thanks for joining us. Hope you like the podcast. Tune in again when we speak to another creative. Bye for now.